Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 90 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Daddy Joystick. And I'm joined here by my sanguine co-host, former market maker, 20 years and current day retail trader. He's taught you how to think like a villain. He's taught you how to treat trading like a business. And he's taught you to never trust a Canadian mining company, (laughs) (laughs) the silver balk of House Street. JJ, how's it going, man? Good, brother. How are you? I'm doing good, man. We got the summer here coming to an end. How was your your first summer in London? Oh, man. Amazing. You know, it was the best summer I've had in years. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it. It never rains here. Uh, contrary, no, it, it actually does not rain nearly as much as everybody says it does. Mm-hmm. I'm in London, and uh, yeah, it was a great summer. You know, um, you know, people enjoy themselves here. It's it's kind of cool. You go to music festivals, and you know, like there's like people 20 years older than me that are like having a good time. Whereas in you know Canada, it's a little different. You after 30, you kind of get the 80 inch TV and watch hockey. You know, so it's it's nice to be. No offense to Canadians, I love I love you all, but it's nice to be actually social. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good, man. You know, you're um you're doing other things outside of the market. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I'll I'll have my first Labor Day holiday since I was 14 years old. So this will be a trip this week. Excellent. How, yeah. how do you um how do you find you know? Because I always thought this, JJ, right? Um, for myself, like whether it's you know, trading or really anything in life. If I, if I become like, that's all I'm doing. I almost, I don't think I like perform as well other, you know, um, as opposed to when I'm living like more balanced, how, how has your, your trading been or, or the way you're seeing the market? Have you noticed maybe like an improvement there? Yeah, I'm definitely more balanced, mm-hmm. uh, more normal. Like, you know, I've, I've actually never really lived uh, like a normal human being because when I was on the other side, uh, it was just so competitive for what we did that, yeah. you know, I, I, my last holiday was 1995 before this year. Um, you know, so, you know, not taking a holiday in 30 years, uh, you know, uh, working all the time, it's not really healthy, you know, and this is, uh, you know, now I've kind of actually started enjoying life a little again, you know, mm-hmm. since the first time since I was in my young, in my early 20s, um, I'm trading more relaxed. That's one thing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I. I don't know. I'm not like as as tense, which is nice because you kind of you know let things go. You you can admit you're wrong quick. You know, instead of you know and and you know get out of stuff. You can actually see markets a little bit more. I don't know. I think you know. On the other side, they used to have this thing. You know, in the '80s, they 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 taught you know young traders in the '90s. They said you got to get up in the morning ready to bite the ass off a bear. Like it was an aggression thing. Yeah. Um, you know, trading psychology, if you mentioned trading psychology, you were laughed at. Uh, you know, psychology was a bottle of Jack Daniels and a pack of Marlboros, right? Like there, go. If you're stressed, there you go. You know, like what are you whining about, right? Yeah. And they would literally, like if you said you were stressed, they would literally, you know, uh, you know, you were like, you were, they would just laugh at you. Yeah, it's right? like you're soft, right? Like Yeah, you're soft. You know, we yeah. eat stress for breakfast. What are you kidding? You know, yeah. you're not, you know, you're not a real man until you have your first heart attack. And uh so now it's a completely different world, you know, and we have people like Kim and 
Paula and all of these people. And it's, uh, it's better this way. You know, we had Tom Basso on uh, the podcast. I remember. And I was like, man, if this guy was my boss, I would have never had a heart attack, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you know, it's just such a much more calmer way to, to go about doing business, you know? Absolutely. Than yeah. The trench warfare uh, business model. <laughs> For sure. You know, I always, I always like, blending you know that's what uh blending a mix um of the two or or maybe not not being on the extremes um things and i think you know there's a lot to be said for like that mental toughness and that grit right because you need you need to have that too yeah but then there's also that like yeah you know when you need to take a break or you need to take care of yourself in in a holistic sense And, and i think there's probably a happy medium you know somewhere to be had um, you mentioned Paula, JJ. Speaking of Paula, um, it's the last podcast. So for the listeners, it's the last pod, the previous podcast we did, episode eighty nine. Uh, go back and listen to it. Phenomenal. I, I gotta say, JJ, I think probably one of my favorite to date. I really left, uh, yeah, I'd say somewhat inspired. Um, to, you know, to go deeper into the mental realm. Even you know when she mentioned uh, how diligent Mark Douglas was about journaling. Uh, even just like uh, beyond trading, right? Just everyday thoughts. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I've always been a journaler, but I think it's made me think about maybe picking that up a little bit or, or just going deeper into the practice of it. Um, it's just cool just to talk to someone who was so close to Mark Douglas, right? And to get that oh, historical yeah. aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were some of the takeaways you had? Yeah. Well, I Mark Douglas was very instrumental. I mean, he's been instrumental for so many people. But the other thing that for trading psychology and trading, but he also made me a better teacher mm. um, because when I started in this, you know, you and I started, you know, we started this room and we were teaching people and I'd be like, come on, you know, what's going on. Right. You know, people, I'm like, okay, we're going to shake the tree. We're going to do this. Now we're going <laughs> to People are like, what the hell is this guy talking about? And we're like, I'm like, you know, I had no idea how to translate what 25 years we did in the business to make retail people understand and watching Mark Douglas's videos and, and seeing how calm and relaxed he was and how he was able to simplify a concept and, and convey it and teach it to people so they could get it mm-hmm. and then make, you know, make executable, actionable decisions on that. That was very inspiring to me. And uh, it was one of those things too, because Mark's older than I am and it, some like his stories of being, you know, in the, in that silver trade, you know, when, uh, Nelson Bunker Hunt and mm. um, you know his brother uh, cornered the silver market that's pretty cool and just you know like when he got his Porsche repossessed made me feel not bad about getting my Porsche repossessed after 9-11 you know I was like the same exact scenario happened you're living in a fancy place driving a fancy car mm. you know it's the first time you're rolling in life and then something bad happens and it gets taken away how you deal with it all of those things were very things that I had gone through in my life and it was just really nice seeing someone older who had gone through it, made it out the other side and like, okay, he survived. Right. And, um, and you know, he thrived after that. Right. And that was very inspirational. And when we had Paula, it's almost like his spirit joined us for the podcast. It was beautiful. Yeah, you know? yeah it was. Yeah. I was surprised. I was surprised even when she mentioned that uh, the, the editors or the, or the publishers, of the book wanted to exclude that story um, about the, yeah. about the, um, uh, the car getting repossessed 
Oh yeah. Um, but yeah. I feel like everyone loves a a good comeback story. Oh yeah. You know? And like you said, we could relate yeah. with it if if Mark Douglas could be down. Yeah. And come back. I mean, that gives that gives people hope and inspiration. I feel. Yeah, you know, it's like when I was when I was living in Vancouver, there was a there was a promoter who was a huge promoter who got into some trouble and he ended up losing everything. And this guy was worth a lot of money. He lose, lost everything and ended up living in the park for a year, right? And he was homeless and then he came back and made money and did a deal. And you know, those kind of stories I I I find inspiring because we all fall. You know, and in trading, man, sometimes we fall every day. You know, and it's gut wrenching. So, to be able to keep your head up, knowing that things will get better, um, you know, that is that's very hard for a lot of people because, you know, they're they're at home, they're in by themselves, they don't have anything, they don't have anybody to bounce people, you know, an idea off of or even of their emotions. Like I'm having a bad day, you know, they got all they got to eat that all, and that's really hard. And that's why we have our room. It really helps people that way. Um, not just from a mechanical technical standpoint and an educational standpoint, but it allows them to kind of go, oh man, I don't know what I did. I traded really badly today. And come on, everyone's done that, right? And, you know, for someone to go, okay, well, what did you, you know, what did you do wrong? Give your head a shake and get back in the game tomorrow. And that, that kind of thing, that whole attitude is, is very necessary in this, in this business because, you know, one day you're on top of the world, the next day you're just, you know, taking a really hard kick to the nads and then you know you got to be able to recover from that you know yeah you got to be able to recover and that's we're really grateful that paula and and people like paula and mark really focused on that for people you know oh, yeah. yeah and just a uh, reminder to the listeners if you'd like to join supportive and professional community of traders you can join jj and i at microefutures.com. so jj Last market update we did uh, was about two months ago. So that puts us early July. Um, for the listeners, we're recording this on August 31st, 2022. Summer coming to a close. Uh, JJ, what have been your overarching thoughts on the market this summer? Man, oh, you know, we. I told people last year in November and October, I said things are going to change. And boy, did they ever. Mm-hmm. And it it's been a roller coaster it's been a real roller coaster um you know we came off those lows of, uh, in in the S&P and and you know peaked up at you know quite a bit higher and, and a lot of that was driven by short covering if you look at the market structure and then of course we came down and started filling some of those shorts as the month closed mm-hmm. uh, really going to have to really let the market tell us where it's going over over the next couple of months. Um, you know, we do know that September, October, you know, there's going to be a bit more. I think we're going to be in for some more volatility mm-hmm. um, as this market tries to find, you know, what the market's trying to do for the last week now, it's been trying to find the bid. It's trying to find where large buyers are willing to step in. And, um, you know, those moves are big and they're big moves and they're volatile and people get hurt. You know, so it's a real time. And I'm always, I I always sound like a nervous silly because I'm always telling people to be cautious, cautious right? Mm-hmm. I'm always like, be careful. Do it. You know, but that's because I've actually personally, well, not myself, but my clients have actually, they've blown up clearing firms and taken down brokerage firms and put people out of business and, and 
so I've seen the devastation and, and that sort of thing. So maybe that, that's sort of my baggage, right? But it always, it, it all, I'm like, okay, don't worry. You can always trade the next day, but you got to be alive. And um, yeah. it, so that, that's always been a focus for me. And I, I think that's going forward, you know, don't, don't waste your bullets, you know? Um, and I've been working with, you know, Steve, our partner in, in the room to do the setup thing for the ESL and much like you guys do in equity. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're only trading those A plus setups. Uh, so we're not wasting our capital, right? Or we're not wasting our bullets. Um, so we actually have capital to trade with when opportunity comes because sometimes these markets can just, you know, it's, it's a lot of times we're in pickpocket markets, you know, um, a lot of times it's really choppy and, and traders are like, they go long, they get stopped out, they go short, they get stopped out. And it's like, and then they get into a cycle and that's how you get, you know, chewed up. And for longer term people, it's, it's hard to put long-term positions in this thing with huge ranges. But the volatility, yeah. The volatility and yeah. the ranges because we don't have liquidity in this market. So somebody comes in and drops a big buy or sell order, this thing just moves. Um, and it moves fast and hard, and then that's it. Then that's the end of the move. So it, it, it's very challenging. It's, it's a challenging trading market. Um, if you know what you're doing and you know you're a skilled trader, it's a great market for those kind of people, but getting to that, you know, beginner, novice, intermediate, and up the ladder—that, that's that's—it's going to take some time, and I think this, the fall is going to challenge quite a bit of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, you know, it's it's going to be a very interesting fall as as we're going forward here in this rising interest rate environment, and you know, I'm seeing, but I'm still seeing, you know, things like, you know, I saw that this company seat seat geek or whatever it is they just raised 238 million dollars so dough is still out there money is still out there you know yeah yeah we we still got some of that going on out here for sure you know we still got that going on we got you know companies like peloton losing 1.2 billion dollars and they're still in business so it's it's, you know there's still people are still drinking the kool-aid still you know we're not we're not completely out yet you know there's still money to be made yeah, yeah. There's there's still some. Um, I, I've been seeing the pet clothing dying down though a little bit. Today, so <laughs> our indicator. <laughs> yeah, the indicator that that that. But uh, you know, some of these. Um, it's been interesting for me. You know, the trading equity. Some of these China stocks are. Um, I mean, they always act kind of funky, but um, oh god, yeah. They've they, now, they've been a little bit interesting lately um, as well. Um, now- but, I've heard the, this. I don't know. Are they hooking? Are they pulling a lot of these China stocks off the exchanges? No. Is that I, actually happening? I don't think. I don't think so. There was, um, man, there, there was there was there was an um, item of news this week. Um, oh man, I would have to. I'd have to pull it up. Uh, it was. It was good news for China stocks. Um, there. Something they're going to be able to. I, I don't know if it had to do with the auditing because you know they don't. Have, they don't have to get audited. The the yeah. earnings. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it was something along those lines, and I don't want to miss. I don't want to misquote yeah. here on the podcast, yeah, okay. but um, I, I don't think they're in any jeopardy or anything, which is good. I mean, I like you know, I like shorting them. Um, dangerous, exactly. can be dangerous at times for sure. You gotta yeah, be careful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, get, getting back to uh, you know, the overall market, JJ, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about like the volatility because I think you know we all know summer is a you know lower volume time period. Uh, but what about the volatility? Like th- this summer has been, 
unless I'm I'm not remembering correctly, this has been pretty volatile. I mean, we had that like we had this run up that I know people were kind of like, oh, are we going back up or like you know what, what's going on here? I know a little people were confused. Now we've come back down the past couple of weeks. Um, well, you do you remember summers being this volatile or not really? And this is the first time when we went up. In, in this last run where we went up to 4,300 um, on the S&P, um, we actually, we had 13 short positions underneath the market. It was fascinating. I, I have never counted that many short positions. And we still have uh, one, two, three, four. We have five underneath us, right? We have still five short positions underneath 39.50. And, so that's what took the market. A lot of people got trapped um, in that move over 39.55, and it, you know, it it causes this volatility. What volatility like this is caused by is lack of size, um, money management, money in this market, and the, the large momentum players they can push the ranges because uh, market makers just do not absorb. Um, they don't absorb inventory at every single level in size because they know there are no big buyers to to turn around and sell it to. So the ranges get pushed way out of proportion, yeah. you know. So you have a hundred point range on the S and P in a day now is not a big deal, you know. And that's very very scary for smaller traders with smaller accounts. You got to really really watch your whiskers because um, you know that that volatility. Uh, I think that's going to continue, uh, you know, because until some of these large money management firms start stepping in on the bid and start absorbing some size, um, it's it's pretty much a lot of the times this thing trades like a penny stock, you know, with these wild swings. And that's just because it doesn't really have any shock absorbers on each side. And the shock absorbers are the, those size money managers. But then you look at money managers like BlackRock and 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 Vanguard and stuff like that, State Street. I mean, they, you've got a billion shares of Apple. How much more Apple can you possibly buy, right? Like, you know, they got Apple coming out their ears. Like, they can't buy anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, it's going to be really interesting how this all unwinds um, over the next coming years. It's gonna, I'm really quite fascinated. I've never seen markets like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I... I I pay attention to the spy during the day, JJ, because, you know, sometimes it helps like inform, oh, you know, yeah. maybe like, Hey, maybe I should stay out of shorts now or, you know, et cetera. Uh, but sometimes like when I'm looking at it and it'll, it'll like just be going up and down through VWAP, it'll be like, looks like it's trending down then a sh- big green candle mm-hmm. up. And I just I always <laughs> think I'm like, man, how are these guys trading that over there? Like that's, oh. it's, it's gotta be tough, man. Um, it is. It and is. like you said, with these ranges, what, what, what have been some of the, some of, um, Maybe the advice you've been giving to the people in the room. Uh, what I've been telling people is to trade from stop to stop mm-hmm. uh, for smaller accounts. Um, larger accounts, we've been successfully doing stuff like building positions out uh, around structure, which has really been cool. Um, and there's a couple of new things that I've been trying out. And you know me, like, you know, when it comes to use it, using new tools, I'm very apprehensive about it. But we've been incorporating things like Delta. And then, you know, for you footprint chart users, uh, we've incorporated that onto a TPO chart. And it's been just absolutely wonderful because we've uh, been able to really 
sort of drill down on, um, you know, where the buyers are and where the sellers are. And that's been really cool. Um, and to be able to trade between them and we're getting good results in, in the room. Uh, it takes a little while. You have to be a little bit more careful about your trades, uh, plan them out a little bit, be a little bit more. And the other thing is uh, we're really learning to be at peace on, on missing a trade, you know, because a lot of people they'll miss a trade, then they'll chase it. And then they'll, because it's volatile, it comes back the other way. And, you know, being able to go, you know what, I missed that. No big deal. There's another one coming. Uh, and get into that headspace has been really helpful. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a challenge though, you know? Yeah, of course. It, you know, it, it's always, it's always a challenge, right? Like I, yeah. I, I think no matter how, you know, uh, we're still human, we're going to like be little, ah, uh, like, Oh yeah. You know, feel a little, you know, disappointment or aggravation. Oh. And, and oh. I know I have like a little bit cause you, cause you know, you, you were mentioning like the choppiness, Right. And it's when we're, we talk about capital preservation and sometimes this choppiness can um, drain the, the mental capital. Right. Definitely. And, and preserving mental capital is, is a huge thing too. And, you know, I'm just always trying to find like a good balance. um, Oh yeah, totally. Like some of these, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely trading some of these choppy days. Like you're, it, it feels like, you know, you're like sparring. You know, it's like, yeah. you yeah. know, like if you're trade, if you're, you're fast trading and chop and, you know, it really feels like after that, you're like, Oh, okay. You know what? I, I need to, I need to like chill out, you know, heart rates up and, you know, it's like, it feels yeah. like I did a few rounds here, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, you got to really, really uh, keep that. Not only your financial capital, but you're right. Your emotional capital mm-hmm. and your, uh, your ability to uh, sometimes, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh no, you got to keep trading and stuff like that. And sometimes you do need to take a little bit of break, you know, walk away from it, come back and uh, let your mind kind of recharge a little bit. Um, I find that really has been helping this summer too. Um, You know, because now I'm living here. um, I, it's not like, you know, in, in, here you can I get up and I walk around or I'll, you know, hop on the subway and go to Canary Wharf, you know, which takes like five minutes and uh, clear my head and then come back and trade. And then I, I trade better, um, you know, which is something which seems counterintuitive, you know, like, oh, don't leave your seat. You might miss something. Uh, sometimes I think your brain needs to like, you know, switch off from that for a little bit and, you know, go look at like, you know, like do what normal people do, you know. Yeah. And then yeah. come back. Yeah. Because what we, because, because what we do like isn't normal. Right. No. right? And, and if, if no. you get yourself in that like negative oh. feedback loop in your brain, uh, you're, you're not going to perform optimally. And, and, you know, that's one of the things um, I took from speaking with Paula last podcast and, you know, it might've been like, a, you know, some might say extreme uh, some of like, you know, Oh, like Mark Douglas was hitting three red lights in a row. He's not going to the hockey game. Right. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, she spilled the coffee. She's not trading yeah. that day. It, it, you know, it might be extreme to some, but I, I get the point she was trying to make. And it, it's, oh, yeah. you know, we're in a performance, you know, a performance sport. And y- y- you have to be performing optimally. You have to be there mentally. And, you know, that's something I've been really trying to, you know, maybe I won't take it to that extreme as they yeah. did, but 
you know, there, there's a reason why Mark is revered the way he is. Cause he did take it that serious. Um, oh, yeah. and, you know, I, I think even myself, I've, I thought I've always taken it serious, but maybe, you know, yeah, just, you know, it, it's gotta be taken serious. We're, we're in a performance activity here. Oh, definitely. You know, I, you know, like we always say, it is a business, right? So, yeah, you know, a lot of these trades, if you think of trades too as business decisions, um, you know, or a, a series of trades as, you know, you're trying to accomplish a, a business agenda. Um, if you start thinking like that, it kind of helps put things in perspective. Um, and, you know, like, you know, Paula was saying, you know, how to have a business plan and, yeah. You know, you know, your traders are small business operators, so you know you should have a business plan. And yeah, there's a lot of the planning and the discipline, and that meticulous attention to detail in retail trading. That um, that was my hardest thing, <laughs> you know, when I started out, man. Because institutional trading, and you know, you're controlling order flow. You're like, you had it ah, easy, JJ. You had it easy. Yeah, man. just let's knock this thing down a little bit and see who flies out of it. And okay, now let's clean it up. You know, you just did things like that. You didn't even think about it. Now you have no control, right? And you can't cheat and you can't do it, you know. So you've got to be disciplined and risk management and discipline and all of these things and waiting for the trade and setups and all of this stuff. It, it, does take I that that's why I have a lot of respect for people who trade retail and do it well because there's not many who do um, and it's the learning process is so hard that most people won't persevere till the end to you know to, to break through those hard times where just nothing is going right it doesn't seem like you can understand it and that is uh, that is something that you know I, I really learned a lot you know you don't think you're gonna learn a lot as an older person but you, know, you do. This business will teach you a lot about yourself. It's quite amazing. Yeah, it is. It's truly fascinating. JJ, uh, has there been any particular news items or headlines that you found noteworthy this summer that you want to speak to? Um, I'm just kind of looking at deal flow and seeing how, you know, the SPAC thing is sort of kind of fizzled out. Yeah, I saw, um, you, know, you know, speaking of SPACs, JJ, I think, um, and I might even sent it to you. I, I, I think since last year, they're like on a majority, I think down 80%. Don't, don't quote me on that, but it's something large. Um, oh, yeah. I saw a few pop up this week um, on some of the scanners, but oh, man, yeah. have they gotten crushed, huh? Yeah, they, I mean, the other thing too is, uh, as somebody who used to run boiler rooms, right, um, you know, and has really knows um, how retail buyers think. Um, we've really, you know, taken a lot of these retail people out to the woodshed, you know, in these GME type meme stocks, we've jammed people into these things. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that I don't want to get, you know, hate mail from, I don't know, what are they called? Apes or yeah, apes. Yeah. I don't know. Apes or I, I don't know what the hell's going on. Kangaroos, whatever they call themselves. But, you know, sometimes there's just, you know, stupidity in buying something, you know, I mean, you know, these, some of these companies, they don't have a cure for cancer. Like it's, it's a movie theater. Like seriously, like, you know, give your head a shake, right. You know, a little common sense for God's sakes, you know, people it's like, you know, it's a series of movie theaters that, you know, is sucking money. I mean, the other thing people don't realize 
is, I mean, if you look at companies like Piton, right, and, and uh, you know, these Palantir and Piton type companies, mm-hmm. where the earnings aren't that good, how are, you know, how are they keeping the lights on? They're keeping the lights on by selling stock, right? I mean, their business, like your business might be making a bicycle that's four grand. But how are they keeping the lights on? They're keeping the lights on by selling S8 stock. They have 200 million shares of S8 stock in, in Peloton. Yeah. Right. So that's how they're funding these things, you know, with S8s and, and, and fault flow through offerings and whatever secondaries are. So they're not actually keeping the lights on through the business operations. Right. They're keeping the right lights on by selling stock at a discount to institutional investors and then taking that money and continuing their business operations. So it's like a big daisy chain of debt and dilution where, you know, the stock just keeps getting pressure and, you know, people don't realize that they don't realize, like, don't you ever wonder, like, how can a company lose a billion dollars in a quarter and still pay their electric bill? Like riddle me this, right? I mean, come on, think about it, right? Like how do you lose that much money and still stay in business? The money's got to be coming somewhere. Like the, the executives aren't, they're not taking pay cuts, right? Yeah. You know, and you know, like Gordon Gecko said, you got to look at, you know, some of these companies, you know, the insiders own less than 2% of the stock, you know, and they're, you know, like, yeah. you know, they're not really putting their money where their mouth is, right? Yeah. You know, if they were such believers in the stock, you'd see insider ownership at 80% or something like that, you know? Right, right. And loading up on their own paper, but, you know. Yeah, and, the, and these are things... Um, you've been talking about since we started oh, yeah. this podcast. I remember when the SPAC craze was going on. Uh, oh, yeah. I remember, I remember when, you know, this whole, you know, GameStop GME and we were like, Hey, like we're, you know, we're pro retail yeah. trading, but just we yeah. got to do it the right way though. Right. Not just oh, yeah. deep into I, these things. And it's, it's fascinating to me because, you know, people, you know, if you're a new listener, you can go back and listen. Like these are things JJ's always talked about, it, you know, it's, there's some, there's, you know, parts of this game that do change. And then there's part of it that, you know, hu- hu- you know, humans are humans, right? Like psychology, psychology. I mean, we don't really, oh, yeah. human psychology, the, the psychology part doesn't change. And it, it, it doesn't. And yeah, you know, this is, you know, this markets thing is, there's nothing new in the stock market. Right. You know, I mean, this has been going on for hundreds of years, you know, um, the only thing is now that we have, you know, people go, oh, but it's all algos. And I'm like, no, algos execute a business model, right? There's still, there's still, you know, it, it's a market. You buy a bunch of cheap crap and you sell it at a higher price for a profit, right? Yeah. Like if you're selling shoes or wigs or rugs or spices or, in this case, worthless paper, you know, uh, you know, that, 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 that's what it's all about. Grab a bunch of cheap crap, mark it up. You know, it's like they used to sell, say, on Seinfeld. Bad lighting and cheap fabric. That's what moves inventory. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, I, I always think as of, I'm always like thinking like a seller, right? Uh, I never think like, oh, I should buy this. It's like, oh, wow, they sold a lot of stock up here. You know, it's, you know, th- those kinds of things. I'm like, yeah, wow, these guys really got liquid on this. Yeah. You know, they had, you know, they got rid of $3 billion worth of stock in a day. Wow, that's good for them. You know, and so that that's what you should always be thinking. You know, who's selling you what you're buying and right. why are they selling it to you? Well, because they're trying to get liquid. 
you know, and you are their, you're their exit strategy. So make sure that, you know, if you're buying something that it actually has a chance of going higher. Yeah. Don't, right? don't be, don't you be, don't be exit liquidity. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. funny. I always, I always joke with people, JJ. Um, but I think there's some truth to this. Um, yeah. I mean, I really do think there's truth to it. Just, you know, me, you know, learning from you and, you know, it, all the, the the colorful stories and you know what you've done before retail trading has got me so goddamn short biased and why I only short. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like I, I can't help it sometimes. And you know, you know, we're ones that like we don't we don't trade off of the news, we don't trade off of headlines. But it's it's hard for me sometimes when I see a press release on one of these BS companies and I'm like, oh my God, they're just doing this to, you know, to exit some shares. Oh yeah, exactly. their position. And, and I'm like, I'm just waiting, 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 waiting. And I, I just, and so I will, in a sense, use some of these things. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's oh, yeah. yes. And, and you, and I know going behind the scenes that that press release has been coerced by a large investor. Who's long this stock. Yeah. Who's calling the CEO and going, Hey, we need news, put something out, you know, yeah. because you know, a lot of people have never sat across the table from somebody who owns, 30, 40, 50, 100 million shares of the stock that you are working on and the pressure that these people put on you because, you know, they're like, hey, we need some news, right? We, you know, you know, they're not, you know, they're not holding this thing forever. They're not like BlackRock with seven, eight trillion dollars and they're going to hold it for 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they want to get it in and off their hands and they want to be liquid so they can go on to the next deal buy cheap stock and sell it at a premium, right? I mean, so they're pushing these CEOs um, to do what they want. And the CEOs, of course, like, you know, these guys are keeping them alive uh, by investing in the company. And so they're beholden to them, right? So sometimes when you read these press releases, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy, but I, I know because I used to write press releases, <laughs> yeah. right? Especially like when you can't find the CEO or, you know, he's been on a three-day bender, you know, on a, on a, you know, on a diet of Prozac and Jack Daniels, and he's been hanging out at Magic City for three days. And you can't find, you can't find the bugger. Yeah. Like, JJ, you got to write the press release. I'm like, oh, man, right? And yeah. then you find this dude, you know, and he's like Chris Rock in the chicken coop on Friday. You know, he's hey, hanging out in his closet, you know, twitching. You know, and you drag them out and go, okay, you know, put out some news, right? And if you think that's just penny stock world, man, you have no idea mm-hmm. how much, how many of these legitimate companies are run by like complete sociopaths or psychopaths, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like you'll see, you know, it, it just, I mean, look at the guy from WeWork, you know? I mean, he just, he's taken down people for billions of dollars and now he's raised another couple of hundred million dollars, you know, it's. Uh, as long as we have cheap money in the system, you know, people will get away with murder. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up to you. Uh, I, how did this guy still get a, a ton of money in, during this this time this guy, as well? You know, right. I grew up in the seventies with uh, cults, right, and I see a lot of these CEOs acting like leaders of cults, um, like guys like Adam Newman and. You know, I know that's controversial to say that, but they get these followings of people who are like, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's like, you know, they get this Messiah complex and people just lose all, you know, 
all sort of like common sense goes right out the window, right? And they'll invest in these companies. And, and these guys are like, you know, they're, they're completely taking advantage of people, right? And, and nobody really spots it, you know? So like, I mean, you could see what happened to uh, SoftBank on that deal. I mean, they lost billions. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, it's, you know, you get, you, you see these sort of crazy events happening and then they come back, right? You know, you lose all that money and then you come back. I mean, he didn't even take, you know, five years off. He was back right away raising money, right? For something else. You know, it's like people have such a short memory these days, um, you know, and I think that's this low interest rate environment is just, it's spawned a lot of junk deals. And, um, you know, a lot of stuff that, you know, if a company was losing $4 billion a year, it would be a bankruptcy, not an IPO, right? You know, now we just pawn it off on the investing public. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to be negative or anything, but, you know, folks, be, you know, there is, remember there used to be that term, buyer beware, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it still exists, you know? Yep, yep. Oh, and um, it was uh, you. You meant to say Chris Tucker in the chicken coop. Yeah, yeah, in the chicken coop. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You right? said Chris Rock. I know, I know Chris what you Rock, meant. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chris Tucker. Yeah, yeah. great, yeah. great movie. Great movie. Yeah. Um, uh, what else was I going to say? Um, yeah, I guess. Um, anything? What should we be looking out for this fall, or or what are you what are you looking out for this fall? Anything I, uh, specifically? Yeah, I think for longer term investors. Um, start looking for areas where these large funds are going to start stepping in again. Um, I'm not seeing it in the charts, but uh, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, for longer term investors, try and, and, and look for stocks that have been cleaned out and that are on the run back up. If you are a long-term investor, I would really, really advise you to, there's a difference between a trader and an investor, Right. Uh, you know, traders are, you know, into their technical stuff and they have their setup. And if the price action violates that setup, then they're out of the trade, right? Because that's the risk management. But investors, if you're going to hold on to a company and you actually believe what they're saying, you better read the SEC filings and find out, peel back the onion and find out what's really going on in that company. Because you're putting your hard-earned money into that company and as an investment, so you better make sure that they're not taking that money and having a good time with it instead of, you know, using it for business practices. You know, you, you make sure that that CEO is fiscally responsible. Make sure, call the company, talk to their investor relations people. Like you'll look even at Apple. Apple doesn't even have a 1-800 number. They make you pay to call them, right? So things like that, you know, it's like, like you got to call them, you got to spend your own dime to call them. They don't even have a 1-800 for investor relations, right? So they really, you know, go in and bug these people who run these companies. It's your money. And if you're going to be an investor, make darn sure you know what you're investing in, you know, and, and do the research, right? Yeah. And do the and, research. Yeah. Yep. It's funny, man. You <laughs> just a bit with the CEOs, man. Ma- magic city just i'm like uh oh you know the safada i think i just think about all the degenerates i know i'm like these, oh these, my God. <laughs> just imagine when you're saying this i'm like man these guys are running companies oh, these, these ceos it's it's just 
it, people have this misconception that they, these, you know, straight upright, you know, yeah, uh, citizens, and they're, you know, because traders get a bad rap. The CEOs, my God, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, because I've done two hundred deals, and I've so I've I've been around, you know, more CEOs than you can shake a stick at, and I'm telling you, man, these guys are they're a trip. And ladies too. Sometimes I'm not going to discriminate. You know, mm-hmm. they'll be the company won't be making any money. The employees are, you know, not getting paid. And this guy, you know, and these people are rolling up in a, you know, a brand new S class. You know, uh, you know, and they've just been to Ferragamo and bought the thousand dollar shoes. Uh-huh. You know, you just do a twenty thirty million dollar financing, and next thing you know, they're they're wearing you know you know designer suits. You know, they're not. You know, and the ladies aren't buying dresses at Dress Barn anymore. You know, they're at, they're in Prada. You know, and so it's like, really? So what? And then you know, six months later, I need another thirty million, right? You know, where did it all go, right? One of these days, and I know I sound like you know somebody from the Waltons from like eighteen thirty-two or something, right? But one of these days, fiscal responsibility is going to have to come back. Those two words have been, you know, they've whistled through our empty heads in the last sort of two decades. Nobody really cares. Like, how much money did you spend and what are your net earnings? Right? Okay, so you made a billion dollars and you only took, you know, 200 grand to the bottom. Where did all that money go? Like, you know, (laughs) where's the dough, right? You know, gross earnings, net earnings, right? Like, Oh yeah, well we you know had expenses. Well, it was, must have been some party, hmm. right? Hmm. You know where'd all the money go? You know, like you look at some of, even big companies, like you know from the from their revenue to what they actually take in. Yeah, you know you dig through that and you'll see you know there's there's a lot of corporate waste out there. You know there there's still a lot of corporate waste. Yeah, fascinating. So, all right, everyone, that's going. To conclude today's episode of Confessions of a Market Maker, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it for us. And if you'd like to join a supportive and professional community of traders, you can join JJ and myself at microefutures.com. So for the grill of House Street, I'm Paulie Walnuts. You stop, so. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you.